What is up, everybody? Welcome to our final episode of this season. Uh, it's been a long one. It's been it's been a really really long one. Obviously, if you've been um, following LFC, supporting them, I mean, three competitions that they had an opportunity won a, a trophy. I mean, there's plenty more competitions, but three really big ones that they were uh, in the final. Obviously, unfortunately, they came short. But it was to me just to kind of reflect on the season. It was uh, it was a memorable season. It was it was a historic season. Obviously, uh, with LAFC not coming up with the trophy uh, and just missing out, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be tough. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Um, but Justin and I, we we went to Columbus, and it, it was an incredible experience. Uh, Justin, how you doing? Doing well, man. Yeah, finally back from Columbus. Uh, it was a fun trip, a very interesting trip. Lower.com Field is a beautiful stadium and was a beautiful uh, venue to host MLS Cup. I think that Columbus as a whole did a fantastic job of hosting uh, MLS Cup as well. The fans were very welcoming, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it was a very good event, even though not the result that LAFC wanted. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about Columbus because it, it was amazing. The, the the town obviously is a college town. If you guys don't know, Ohio State uh, is a university that's there. Um, but to me, I got there Friday. I know I think you got there Thursday. Um, got there Friday uh, around like four in the afternoon. After that, got an Uber straight to the stadium. Um, well, actually, I couldn't get an Uber because. Uh, my my, they kept canceling. And then another LAFC fan that was on, on my flight offered a uh, offered for me to hop on them, and then I could get an Air, uh, Uber from there uh, because it, it was crazy. I had like four Ubers back to back just cancel on me. So he let me. Uh, he asked if I wanted to hop on with him. Uh, the Airbnb where I was staying that was not too far from him, so I was like, sure, why not? I ended up going to the stadium. I picked up my credential. Uh, went there, saw kind of, you know, saw how nice uh, lower was a lower.com field is. It's really, really, really cool experience. Um, yeah. And then like obviously Friday night, uh, I, I saw we went with the supporters. Well, at least I did. We went to go see uh, they had like a little pregame thing or be, did night before. And uh, Will Farrell ended up showing up and, you know, getting the party started and going, you know, getting the supporters uh, kind of just, you know, riling up before the day before the game. But I, I thought that was really cool. That's I think that's one of the things that's very unique about LAFC, right? Outside of uh, the, the great experiences, the, the the fan base, but also like the celebrities are involved. Like Jaime Camille, he was there at the pregame march. Obviously, Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell, Nomar Garcia Parra. So it's like countless, uh, you know, it was, it was just a unique experience to see that and see how, Regardless of who people are, they love uh, they love this club and they love this culture. Um, talk to me a little bit about your experience because I, you know, you did more of the media stuff on Thursday. Kind of walk me through uh, what you guys did, what you did, because I know you were also with Fabian and a couple other people. Yeah, absolutely. I got in Thursday morning, Thursday morning afternoon, headed straight to uh, Lower.com Field where they were doing yeah those media press conferences before the game. I actually missed LAFC. My flight landed right as LAFC started. So I hopped on Zoom right as my uh, flight landed and then kept on Zoom on my Uber to uh, lower.com field, uh, you know, uh, with those press conferences for LAFC. And then once I got to lower.com field, it was time for the Columbus Crew press conferences, uh, you know, talked with Darlington Nagby, Cucho Hernandez, etc. cetera. Uh, and then, yeah, it, it was uh, an interesting one. The next day, got some more um media coverage of course from the players and the coaches spoke don garber spoke as well in his state of the league address so yeah just a lot of media events packed back to back uh in those thursday and friday because as you would expect mls cup there is a lot of national media around and they want to uh another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply get as much coverage as they can, as much content as they can. And I think uh, MLS did a pretty good job uh, in that respect. Don Garber's speech, I know, uh, brought a lot of talking points, whether it be no fourth DP, stopping at 30 teams, the U.S. Open Cup, the League's Cup, whatever they're looking at, uh, a lot to be said and a a vote to happen soon as well on maybe some potential rule changes and things like that. So, Lots happening not only with LAFC but with MLS as a whole in that uh, MLS Cup weekend. Yeah, no, that that's how, this is obviously my second time. I believe your second time uh, covering uh, MLS Cup final. They're very unique because in, um, as soon as it happens, right, the, the following week, so everything just kind of is just quick for everything. Like this is bam, this is happening. Don Garber's happening. Like all these different things, and this is the last you'll probably heal for it from obviously players coaches and obviously uh don garber who's the commissioner and it's you get it's a lot of information a lot to t- kind of take in and just uh in like what three days and it's just a lot a lot going on you know they they address certain things also i think one of the big things too was um you know the things that came out uh after the pod last week uh you know lafc got fined a hundred thousand or la you know because of the 3252 uh with the flares and everything um and I think that that was also like, I believe it was asked to Don Garber, right? And I think just certain things like that, like, I kind of want to talk about it a little bit because it's like, I know everybody's kind of already made the point, but I think MLS just doesn't understand. Because uh, look, overall, like MLS looked bad in this, right? Look bad in wanting to find for what the supporters are doing and what like the, the expectations was uh, of where the 3252 have taken MLS and where a lot, I've, I saw a lot of people on Twitter, like, Hey, I, I've never been to an MLS game, but I'd like to go to a, uh, an LAFC game because of just the atmosphere. And that's what sells people. That just shows that the average fan or the pe- person, people that don't watch MLS, that's what's going to get them hooked in those things. And I, I feel like when the league does certain things, it's like they're taking like three steps back instead of, instead of taking a couple steps forward. Yeah. I understand it's like safety and all these other things that are concerned, but it just, to me, it makes no no sense because of what what the what the supporters groups have done, and the impact has had just on just just on the news and social media is just like when you see what they do, it's very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that yeah, there's a lot of aspects to this. So many different pieces I think that play into this. Um, whether from the league's perspective, the fans' perspective, or the club's perspective, I think each of them have their own, and they're all valid, right? Um, yes. Go, the, the league has its own perspective of uh, maintaining safety, maintaining the fire marshals laws and all of these type of things, right? Because that is important. Um, yeah, nobody asked Don Garber about that at the League of uh, State of the League address. So I'm not sure exactly what his personal opinions are on it. But you understand that the league does have these very clear rules. It is very clear uh, within the MLS rulebook that flares are not allowed. And so fines have to come down suspensions have to come down now i think when you're looking at the um level of these suspensions or the degree to which lafc has been punished the questions can be raised right i think for the most part the reason that it was such a heavy suspension and we're still going to have to wait and see exactly what comes down in 2024 right because that is pending investigation so the the punishment is still yet to be finally determined but with that said I think that the reaction that you saw from opposing fan bases, whether it be on Twitter or other social medias, heavily impacted the decision that MLS made because there was a lot of talk of, well, LAFC don't get punished when they do things like this. There's a double standard for LAFC and the league had to prove, well, hey, there is no double standard for any team in this league, even if the the league often uses LAFC's supporters and the 3252 as marketing tools, because as you say, when people see that, they are intrigued to come to a game. And I think that that is where we need to focus and say, yes, how do we build this league? How do we attract new fans? And yes, we understand that safety is of importance, but that isn't at the detriment 
of uh, of denying supporter culture in this country. And I think that that is the key, right? Because we know these things would not be allowed in the NBA, the NFL, et cetera. And that is what MLS does. They continue to model themselves after other American sports and compete with those leagues. But we are starting to see the invasion of South American and European football culture. Don Garber wasn't asked about the Flares, but I did ask Steve Sharundalo about the Flares. And while he didn't want to comment on the punishment specifically, he did say that the first time he was at BMO Stadium, it reminded him of Germany. It reminded him of Europe. And that is a big statement coming from a man who played his entire career in Germany and was a captain of one of the most historic clubs there. So it is a telling, I think, of how you need to grow this league. I agree with what you're saying that, you know, you have to allow these type of things. Um, you have to put in place precautions or whatever rules that need to be in place to allow it. But fining uh, teams and, and suspensions are not really the solution, I think, because sure, LAFC, you know, they don't care about the $100,000 fine, whatever. But if you're planning to suspend the 32-52, you're damaging not only a support, supporter culture in this league, uh, but the team as well. I think that it is yeah, detrimental in the long term to try and prevent the invasion of real football supporter culture uh, into America because I think that is only going to grow the game. And I hope that MLS finds ways to work around these safety issues, which, again, do exist, but they need to be uh, addressed in a proper way so that fans can still enjoy themselves uh, to the final degree that they want to. Yeah. And, and just to kind of finish off with that, I think, you know, some of these rules are meant to be broken, meant to be adjusted. And I think this is definitely one of them because they've shown that, look, they can do it. Obviously, no one was hurt. Everybody was having fun. And the impact just makes it that much more cooler, that much more better, because no other league in the U.S. can do what the supporters can do here. And that's what makes it. That's what makes it like, wow, that just that just looks crazy. Right. That, that looks like, dang, I want to experience that because it looks so unique. So, so and say that we can have that in MLS and MLS can definitely, in my opinion, can definitely do this and find some type of way uh, to make it safety, have certain things. Um, yeah, because yeah, you want to, and, it, and it's different once you're sitting in a supporter section than just sitting in a regular seat, right? You, you know, that there's going to, it's going to be, you're going to be chanting, you're going to be, there's going to be a lot more. So there's, if you're your first time going to an MLS game, you're obviously not going to sit in the supporter section or you should at least know that like, hey, you're going to get some beer spilled on you and it's going to be a little bit, a lot more rowdy than, than what you expect. Right. And I think there's just certain things like that, that someone that either is taking a fan or something like that should obviously know coming into something like that. But look, that yeah, let's, let's move on. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about Columbus, man. I just feel like that, that the day of the game, um, I think you and I, we ended up meeting, uh, it was like the same bar, same bar that the, the fans had the night before where Will Farrell was, um, I believe it was called Gasworks or something in Columbus. It was, it was, a, it was a really cool bar, really big bar. So the supporters walked about one and say 20 minutes, like a 20 minute walk from the bar from downtown Columbus, all, all the way to lower.com field. And, um, that was cool. You and I were obviously in in Leon, Guanajuato. We saw that, but it was they, they walked through a different, like a back way. Um, they didn't want. It was not as uh, I would say as safe in Leon as it, it was in Columbus because Leon, man, people were like Leon fans were ready to fight LAFC fans. But walking through the streets of Columbus, and you know the supporters going through that, and you know waking up, waking up the people that that were like either apartments there or like you know local businesses. Everybody was recording the 3252. And, you know, regardless of what the game, like the 3252 made its presence felt. Um, they got a police escort and, and, and bikes coming through. So just being able to walk to the say walk to the stadium, uh, that was a very, very cool experience. That's one of the best, I would say one of the best experiences outside of any game, outside the game that I've had from this season, just to see that and obviously be able to record that, you know, and all those different interactions, see fans come together. Some people flew in that morning just to get to the game, you know, right? And then the people were like, hey, I, I flew in yesterday and hearing everybody about, like, them coming together. And obviously, you know, and then there was, there was that point where, like, Columbus Crew supporters and LAFC supporters um, crossed paths. And, you know, they were, like, you know, just talking talking smack to each other respectfully, you know, which was really cool. Um, and just seeing that in MLS and just seeing how both, you know, both fan bases, obviously the crew been here for, for like, you know, since the beginning. And obviously LAFC, what they've been able to build. Um, 
give me your thoughts on that because I, to me that that was really cool yeah it's an incredible march i think again it, it's just showing the supporter culture that lafc has brought into this league i mean there was a sea of black and gold uh headed to lower.com field for as you say it's a 20 minute walk maybe if you don't stop but they were stopping at every block made it probably 45 minutes uh, of a walk to lower.com field because it was uh, yeah as you say police escort all these things and uh, yeah i think it's also great that they're able to walk through the streets of columbus as you say safe and sound and they can have these uh you know little run-ins with columbus fans who are tailgating on the side of the road and things like that um but it was it was respectful for the most part, as you say. So it was great to see um, the the passion, but with a cap on it, right? There's a level to where you bring it, and I think that is uh, fantastic to see from both sides. And uh, the traveling support, as you say, I, I'm not sure any team uh, can travel with the numbers that LAFC traveled with to Columbus. They filled up those sections at, at the top of Lower.com Field 203 to 209, if I remember correctly. Um, right across from the Nordecki and were loud and proud the whole game. So it was uh, a fantastic atmosphere. And yeah, I think it was probably the best march in LAFC history because uh, the MLS Cup march from last year, you remember, yeah, was was great and packed, of course, because it was in LA, but they just walked through Expo Park. It's much shorter. It's much more condensed. And it was it was fantastic. It was loud. Um, but this one, the just the length of it makes it uh, a little bit more fun, a little bit more intense, I think. Uh, and then you run into Columbus fans on the way. So, yeah, it, it was uh, a very in exciting uh, moment and a historic one for LAFC to to travel with that many numbers, hundreds, if not thousands. Yeah, well, the one uh, thing I, di I didn't get to post it, but um, it was this one a Columbus Crew supporter. Uh, he was coming out of his apartment and just giving the bird to LAFC fans just like Dude just stood on business, man. And, like, it was, like, you could tell he was just woken up, obviously, because, like, you know, LAZ fans would have the drum and everything. He just stood there for, like, as long as the 3252 were walking by, he just gave everybody the bird. He's like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, he just, like, <laughs> and it was, like, it was just, like, the funniest uh, the funniest thing that I, that I can remember about about the, the march there. But, no, that was that was pretty cool. Like, how many, I think you tweeted that, like, what, like 700 to 800 supporters? Yeah, they uh, they they, they said the something like that uh, was the was the official number um, based on LAFC tickets sold and then a lot on resale things like this. So yeah, I would I would say somewhere around probably one point five thousand uh, LAFC fans in that stadium or somewhere around there, maybe more, maybe less. Yeah, yeah, no, the the support was uh, definitely big. Yeah, I mean, obviously, once getting there to the stadium. Um, Man, the the energy in the stadium. Once the, obviously the pregame festivities uh, was cool. Obviously they put on the show, the the fireworks and all that, and then just the game. Obviously, I don't. I, the crew supporters. We were we were sit where we sat. We were towards the the crew supporters on the left side. Uh, that's where our outdoor look like little press box was at. Um, once the energy started, once the crew supporters were going, obviously you could, we could we could hear the thirty two fifty two on the right side. The, obviously, being outside a, a BMO stadium, the energy there for an MLS game was, was just unreal. It, it it just for me, I was just like, once the game started and everything, I was like you felt the energy, and I was like, I was pumped. It was it was just insane. Like that to me. Uh, that final, the way it started, the way the energy and everything, it was it was really cool. Like I don't know what, what you thought about that, but to me, it was just like wow, this Columbus Columbus really brought it, you know? Yeah, no, they, they absolutely did. I think it was an absolutely incredible atmosphere. Um, obviously, you expect that in MLS Cup a little bit, but uh, I know this was our second. But I know people who have been to 10, 20 MLS Cups, and they were tweeting that this could be you know, one of the best atmospheres they had ever seen because it was that rocking from minute one, um, both from, from both supporter sections, right? The Nordecki and the traveling 3252 on the other end. And I think it was um, helpful as well and cool that they were directly opposite each other, right? Behind each goal. So they were kind of chanting at each other and any everybody else was in the middle on the sidelines and they're kind of getting it from either side. So the atmosphere is just booming sound, booming voices, um, and wonderful chants from each supporter section. So yeah, it made for a really, really fun atmosphere. And once again, reminded me a little bit of Europe. 
Yeah, no, it's growing. I mean, and I, and the shout out to like the, their their stadium. They're, we walked, we talked, we took a lap around the stadium. It was cool. Like obviously, everything was covered. Um, it's um, like the walking areas of the stadium are covered. Obviously, there, there's there's not like there's not like a roof that covers everything. But like anywhere you would walk around the stadium, uh, you would cover you. It was covered, so you wouldn't unless you were sitting in certain sections. You you would get rained on. But I like I like I really like the layout, and I was surprised that um, only twenty what was like twenty thousand eight hundred and two people were there. It felt like a lot more people were were in the stadium. Um, but yeah, that that stadium looks massive. Uh, it looks a lot bigger than what it is in person, and it felt like there was more than twenty two thousand twenty thousand eight hundred people uh, at the stadium, and it, it was a really like just being being there my first time being able to walk around it. It was a dope stadium. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily the biggest, but yeah, it does feel a little bit bigger than that. I agree. They sent an, uh, an attendance record at MLS Cup, unsurprisingly, with over 20,000 people. But yeah, I think that it's the second newest stadium in MLS, if I'm not mistaken, of course, behind St. Louis. Um, and you can see that, right? They, I think that new MLS stadiums have done a great job of taking inspiration from European stadiums. I think particularly with lower.com, it was a German influence, I think, uh, or at least that I could feel. And you mentioned that giant roof that is just basically a square roof coming in, covering everything, but the field um, covering the concourses, covering the the stands, covering everything. Um, And and I think that that, yeah, that's great. Um, The way that it's structured in just four sides built down into a a field, it's basic. It kind of looks that way, but it is also the perfect way to build a stadium. And uh, you throw that supporter section on one end, it it makes for a great atmosphere and a great stadium. And uh, I hope that more MLS teams, as they continue to develop new stadiums, move into soccer-specific stadiums, for example, New York City and things like that, it will... uh, see more of this European influence and more of these fantastic stadiums throughout the league, because the more that we have that the better atmosphere, all of these things contribute to growing the league, of course. Yeah. A hundred percent. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the game. Um, You know, because obviously we know, we know the result. Uh, I don't know how much we need to talk about it. I think the biggest thing to me, the surprising thing to me about about this game was how I kept saying this, like how slow or they didn't bring the energy or maybe they did. But Columbus crew just brought it that much more, you know, because it was just all L.A. I, was, yeah, I even saw the highlights this morning just to just to see, <coughs> excuse me, just to see the highlights again. And that first half, it was all Columbus crew. And I, I was just so shocked because. Out of all three finals that LAFC had played, look, no final is easy. But this, to me, was like would be the easiest, if that's okay to say, because of who they played. They played Leon, obviously Tigres. And they've also been battle-tested. And on top of that, they were flying high in the playoffs, right? They went on this incredible run in the playoffs, obviously, to make it to the final. So I was very shocked to see that they were – they whether it was a Columbus crew that made it that difficult on them or LAFC just wasn't awake for this final. And I don't know how you can't be prepared or can't be awake or can't, you know, have that intensity in the final or, uh, you know, it was, I was just, I was very shocked. And I think, I, I think a lot of people were very, very, very disappointed in that first half because they only had like one clear opportunity. And that was in the 45th minute for them to, to score, or have an opportunity to score. Uh, talk to me about for the start of the game and what you talk. Yeah, no, I mean, you nailed it. it. It was a lack of energy from LAFC, I think. And I'm not sure why they had that lack of energy. I think, yeah, you, you mentioned a similar thing in Leon a little bit. Um, but we asked Denny Bolonga why why that was. He didn't have an answer either. You know, it was just um, one of those things where they thought they would come out with the energy. They thought they could match Columbus crew, and they, they just didn't, whether it was the moment or whatever it was. Um, it just it took LFC back and uh, they were dominated for a minute one. As you say, we knew Columbus were going to dominate possession, but it was the lack of defensive structure, the lack of shifting, the lack of ability to uh, release and transition. The things that 
LAFC's game model is built around if they're going to play a defensive structure were not there. And so it's not just about possession. Possession is one thing, but it's about the way that the game is played. And uh, I think you saw that particularly on the second goal um, when LAFC was was just slow to shift right. The Columbus, I think, did a fantastic job throughout the game of spreading the pitch touchline to touchline. They continually, if the ball was on one side of the field, often you'll see teams compress the pitch. The winger or the wide back on the other side will come a little bit inside, but not Columbus crew. They stayed on the touchline, heels on the touchline, stretching the field as wide as they could. Now that makes it more difficult for LAFC who want to play a compact 4-3-3 and for LAFC, uh, for for that four back rather than five back, more narrow. Hollingshead has to come inside or he has to stay outside. The same thing with the midfielders. The in this case would be Tillman or Acosta would have to move right and left really well. And so what LAFC tried to do was just compress crew into one side of the pitch. That means if they're on the right side of the pitch, they don't get to switch it to the left. If they're on the left, they don't get to switch it to the right. The problem is they continue to switch it, and LAFC could not stop that ball from going back and forth between the sides and that is how uh Cruz scored that second goal right it was a fantastic team goal I believe nine of the ten outfield players touched the ball in the move and they moved it from the right side pulled LAFC all the way to the right Acosta, Ilya, Tillman all moved over and then they quickly switched it over to their left center back Amundsen who Tillman was late to rotate into the midfield uh Buonga had to then go and press the center back he was slow to do so Amundsen split both of those players, which then split Jesus Murillo and Ryan Hollingshead, who was too far over uh, to the right, trying to, again, stay with uh, Yao Yaboa on the right side, who was, again, on the touchline, keeping things wide. And that created a gap between Jesus Murillo and Ryan Hollingshead for Amundsen to play that line splitting pass through. Yaboa was in behind. Fantastic finish with the outside of his boot. So, yes, Ryan Hollingshead had a, a poor game, had a poor night, but it was more of a... A, a slow, method, uh, uh, just lethargic performance um, from LAFC, I think, especially obviously in that first half. In the second half, things changed a little bit. Momentum started to build for LAFC, um, which crew, again, did a fantastic job of slowing things down, making it more difficult, whether it was Schulte staying on the ground for five minutes or uh, slow to take free kicks, slow to take whatever, you know, slowing the game down. They knew what it meant and what it took to win that game. And they employed uh, exactly what they needed to do. And I think uh, all credit goes not only to them, but to Wilford Nancy for the way that he has built this team over just one year in charge. Yeah. I mean, obviously a lot to take in there, but I think also too, like the other point too, was like the midfield play in this game, especially in that first half was just not non-existent. And I think that's, that was like the, the biggest thing. I mean, Obviously, we know Hong's head had a tough night, uh, you know, with your bow on, on the right side. It was, I mean, both opportunity, both goals were created or happened from that right side. Um, obviously, I know that speed, uh, that speed definitely kill, killed the Hong's head. Um, your bow was just impressive what he was doing. And obviously, <clears throat> with Palacios or or, or Hong's head, you know, the right side, the right side, uh, Hong's head does, just doesn't have that pace. Um, and I think we saw, I think Palencia ended up coming, coming in for him in the, in the second half. But I, I just felt like there's just certain things when, when the midfield play is not happening, right? You're not going to make a sub in, in the first half. That just doesn't happen. But I just feel like certain things when we saw uh, Bogus come in, right? He instantly made an impact in, in that midfield and certain things. But I just felt all season long, LAFC, the way the way this, this roster was built, um, they just didn't have a player that could impact the game in the second half where they needed a player, right? If you you want to go back to last year, you can name a couple different players that were like, hey, they could get you a goal. And obviously this season, I think in some of these tight games, whether it was Leon or, or Tigres or especially this final, you didn't you didn't have a player that you count on. They were like, this guy could give me a goal. Like the Columbus crew, they have Christian Ramirez who throughout the players has, has been get, was able to give them a goal off the bench. When I looked at the LAFC roster, when I looked at the LAFC team this year, there's not one player that I could count that that you can look at and be like, okay, this guy could give me uh, give me a goal. It's supposed to be Mario, but Mario has has not has not looked good. Did not look good this this year with LAFC. Potential Nathan or Daz, but I think I don't think that's Nathan or Daz's responsibility just yet. If you have a if you sign like a player like Mario, that has to be him. And if it's not Mario, 
then the then you look at the bench list and it's very very thin and i think that was one of the things that lafc struggled all all year long is i guess if you LAFC can be if LAFC is able to beat you in those 90 minutes, then obviously they're going to win. But if they need and if, if they need someone to come off the bench, if it's not Danny Buongo, if not Carlos Vela, who, who hasn't scored, he hasn't scored for the team, or if it wasn't Ryan's Hollington, right? If it was, if it was, excuse me, Carlos Vela scored the, this last in the playoffs, but if it wasn't Ryan's Hollington or someone like that that gave him, if it wasn't one of the starters, it was very difficult for LAFC bench to have an impact or score for them. And I think that was their biggest Achilles heel this season. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. I think you saw kind of when players arrived, they, they kind of showed that ability for a split second and then it kind of faded off. You think of Timothy Tillman scored a couple goals early on. Fufu Krastev scored in his debut, right? And you thought maybe these guys can be providing things off the bench, providing a little bit of creativity and, and goal scoring from midfield. Um, but it just never came. Mario, absolutely, it was meant to be that guy, um, but has not hit yet. Um, and you know, we'll see what happens with him in this offseason in 2024. But uh, it, it's leading into just the way that LAFC have played this season and a stark uh, contrast to the way that they played in the first five seasons of LAFC, right? Not only are we talking about uh, the, the game model of wanting to defend more, play in transition more, have the ball less, these type of things that Sharondolo, uh has implemented. But more importantly, I'm talking about the way that LAFC has been the best second half team in the league without question over the past six years. Even they were so good in the first five years that even now, after a, a year in which they weren't good in the second half, they're still the best team in the league if you look at it over the six-year period, right? They have the most shots, the most shots on goal, the most goals, the most chances created in the second half of any team in the league over the past six years. So that is their MO. That has been their MO. But this season, it wasn't, right? They came back and beat teams, I think, twice in MLS play, play this year when they conceded the first goal. That, But on the other hand, when they scored the first goal, as we know, they were fantastic. So it was uh, an issue where the starters kind of won games for LAFC in the first half or in the second half occasionally, but generally it was those starters, right? It was scoring that first goal that won the game. And um, for a team that if you're not going to come back well, you're probably not going to have very successful second halves. And it, it all relates to each other because, as you say, they didn't really have a guy to come and say, well, we're losing. We need a goal. I'm going to go give it to you. We're tied. We need three points. I'm going to go get them. Didn't really happen for LAFC this year. Yeah, and that, that look, that, that was the biggest thing. And obviously... Next year it may be different for them. They may get a guy or Myro picks it up. But I think that was that was the biggest thing and that was the biggest concern. You know, since since the start of Leon, that there wasn't a guy that could change the game for them. And obviously that happens. Um, but yeah, let, look, let's talk, let's talk about a little bit about uh Giorgio Chiellini just announced his retirement. Obviously, we saw that photo of him and Carlos Vela, uh, that photo of Carlos Vela and him very emotional. Um it's been a pleasure to to see Giorgio Chiellini come to LA, come come play for LAFC. I mean, the interactions I've had with him were always great. He always shook your hand, very respectful. As a legend, like you never know. Like right, sometimes when you meet some of these legends, you never know. All you know is like this dude is a tough center back, one of the best center backs in the world, and he's just so nice and charismatic that it kind of throws you off. Like how how is this guy so that that much stuff, but at the same time like that nice? And it's just like because I remember he came up to the first. I think press conference we all had with him last year, like he literally shook everybody's hand. And I was like, yo, Giorgio just came up to me and shook my hand. It was just, it was weird. Like, cause we, we don't really see that many players do that. Like you don't, players around the league that just come up to you and shake your hand and want to get to like, you know, know you at least or acknowledge you in a personal way like that. And for him to be a, a legend and to do that, that, that's one of the things that I, I remember from him. And he was always like that, whether we saw him in the locker room, or any any interaction, he was always Giorgio, a really nice dude that would shake shake your hand and say what's up, you know. Um, and obviously now he retires. It's unfortunate that LAFC wasn't able to go in back to back trophies. But look, his his career his career has been stapled. He, he's going to go down if not one of the best center backs, the best center backs in the world the world has ever seen. And it was honestly a pleasure to watch him play for LAFC. Yeah, no, it absolutely was. I think we both feel privileged to have uh, been able to cover such an incredible player um, at LAFC. Uh, I think it's a great point that you bring up that, you know, some players, some coaches, 
uh, don't care about media or even have an animosity towards media. But Giorgio Chiellini was never that way. Um, he was always respectful, always uh, helpful. And I think it, was, it wasn't just media, right? That's just how he lived his life. That is who he was to everybody in his he interacted with anybody who he came in contact with he treated them the same way it was never oh i'm giorgio chiellini i'm better than you no never ever he's not zlatan he's the complete opposite of zlatan ibrahimovic and i think that that is what leads him to the success that he's had right he doesn't come into the league and think like jerdan shakiri would oh these guys aren't good i'm gonna dominate them i don't need to try no no he thinks it's just as good as a, of a league as I've ever played in. These players are still professional footballers, and I have to go and study them and figure out how to beat them, which is why Giorgio Chiellini was as knowledgeable as uh, about the other teams in MLS as any other player in the league. And that is why he's so successful. He puts in the work. He is going to uh, study. He's going to talk to people. He's going to do whatever it takes to get the information that he needs in order to succeed. And that's why I'm sure whatever his next step is, which I'm, I, I believe will be some kind of front office business uh, side of, of football, probably at Juve, hopefully at LAFC for a little bit so he can stick around. Um, but, you know, he has a master's in business administration. He is a really, really intelligent guy. And I think uh, his, his work ethic is going to continue to have him succeed wherever he goes. Uh, it is it is sad to know that this is the last day or you know mls cup was his last game but at least we were there to witness it right yeah we were there obviously we, we got to talk to him and it was <clears throat> it was it was really cool uh you know so shout out shout out to you jojo um uh, man an amazing amazing uh player and even better per person Ciao, obviously jojo. yeah and obviously there's a couple more players that i think i had a contract that uh look i'm not gonna name them all i think maxine Kripo. I think, uh, well, obviously, we know Palacios. We know Carlos Vela. Um, the list goes on and on, right? And I think the biggest one, that the next one that's going to move on for sure is Palacios. Palacios had, has had a, a successful career with LAFC. I think he's going to move on to his next chapter, whether it's Europe or where, where maybe it's South America, wherever it is. Um, he's that, To me, he, he, he's, uh, he's done because he, he's ready for the next move. Um, Though there's there's going to be a lot of um, turnover potentially for LFC, uh, depending depending on on the on the on the roster spots. Uh, but yeah, I think you know, look, you you'll you'll be able to get you'll be you're going to have to find a, a solid left back like you did in Palacios, and I'm sure they'll be able to they have a couple of players. But give, give me your overall thoughts on Palacios and his and his career with LFC. Yeah, Palacios has been. Uh... One of the best, if not the best, fullback in the league for a couple of years now. He has developed fantastically well. I think at LAFC, he is a lockdown defender at this point and can go and contribute on the offensive end as well, even though didn't do so much of that this season. But he is uh, he's as good as it gets in this league. And yeah, Steve Sherundolo called him the best fullback in the league, I think, a month or two ago, right? So I would assume LEFC want to try and keep him, but as you say, that's not going to be an easy task with interest from Europe, interest from South America, uh, and he becomes a free agent. So, yeah, I would expect him to to move on probably, and that means that LEFC needs to find a replacement. I think that the most obvious replacement, um, although comes with a little bit of controversy, is Kai Wagner, uh, who is also becoming a free agent and looks to, ready to leave Philadelphia Um but seems a little bit more open to another MLS team than maybe Diego Palacios is. Uh, you look at, as you say, Maxime Cripeau, players like this need to be uh, re-signed. John McCarthy also out of contract. Uh, so what, what happens with him is going to be interesting because, you know, he probably wants to be a starter somewhere and probably deserves to be, but that won't be at LAFC if Maxime Cripeau is re-signed. You have a couple, you know, intense, really important midfielders in Ilya Sanchez and Kellen Acosta out of contract, right? Um, Ilya Sanchez, I believe, is going to come back as far as I'm aware, uh, has a clause in his contract to have an extension. So I'm surprised that those uh, exercised options have not been announced yet by LAFC. They were due on December 10th and, and have been turned into the league, just not publicly announced yet, should be soon. Um, and so he'll fall into that category. Kellen Acosta will be a very interesting one to uh, find out because LAFC spent significant money on him a couple of years ago, right? And so letting him go for free is not really a, a simple thing. 
But at the same time, uh, there's been rumors of LAFC's interest in Danny Pereira, for example, Austin FC's uh, central midfielder, who I have heard from both sides that that legitimate that interest is legitimate. We'll see if that comes to fruition. There are other teams interested as well. So, yeah, a lot of moving pieces, as you say. I think there will be significant turnover with LAFC this offseason, um, similar to what we saw maybe two years ago, maybe not quite to that same extent, but we'll see. And yeah, it's going to be a, an eventful one. So definitely keep your eyes open. Don't just tune out until next season because things will be happening. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of changes. Um, let's talk about uh, uh, Steve Trondolo. Um I know, I know he had mentioned uh, when you asked him a question. It was kind of, it's kind of. I forgot the question. We, we ended up posting it, um, but about this season, he's. Well, I'll let, I'll let you talk about it, but essentially he said it, it, this season was a success. Um, obviously, the team, LAC went trophyless. They played, They were in three finals. They didn't win a single one. Um, at the start of the year, we all knew that they had, they, they like, CCL was a, was a real possibility and for them. We obviously knew about Campeones Cup. That was going to happen regardless. So, um, And we expected them to make it to the MLS Cup final. Or at least be close, right? Um, so at the start of the year, if I was like, I they had like five competitions, like even Leagues Cup and Open Cup. So they they had five trophies that they could have played for, right? Seven. Oh um, yeah. Oh seven. Okay. Well, my bad. If you add in, um, if you add in, yeah, the Campeones Cup and then Western Conference Final trophy. No, nah, I'm not in the Western Conference Final. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um, but. Yeah, so like you 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 add in those right, and I was thinking, all right, let's just do these three that we we, we obviously we 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 didn't know, but we didn't know. Out of these three three trophies, I was like, okay, if they win two out of three, great. Three out of three, you you become part of the greatest club in MLS history, right? Winning winning these winning these three trophies in a year, probably you you go down as probably one of the best, if not the best. Team in MLS Cup trophy, two out of three, you're still pretty solid. One out of three, hey, at least you got one. At least you got one in, you know, and you're you get you got one in. Um, and outside of winning Campeones Cup, right? Like uh, which was which was I probably put the lower of the trophies out of the three. But if you won CCL or you won uh MLS Cup, your your CCL, you're guaranteed to go to the Club World Cup, which I thought was was you know, obviously important. They they missed out on that. And now you go zero for three, then you're like, at least remember my damn, they weren't able to get one trophy with Danny Buanga, you know, tying Carlos Villa and 38 goals all time in all competitions. Um, you know, with the performances that Maxine Crepo had this year, with the performances that you had from some of the from some of the bench players, then you start to think about like, okay, what went wrong and how can you define the season? I know I know Sharon will define it as a success, but what what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a very difficult question, I think. And uh one I, yeah, I brought up in my article after the game on Substack, you know, uh those of you who want to go read it, but I think that it's tough because you look at it and you say, yes, LAFC were the first team to lose three finals in a season, right? But they were also the first team to appear in three finals in a single season. So Yes, it's disappointing for them to lose those finals, but does that make it a failure? I think is a different question because getting to those points is certainly a success, right? And I think uh, when you frame it the way that you did it is is interesting and important because what did you expect at the beginning of the season? What were those expectations? And I think certainly those expectations were at least one trophy. And that did not happen unless, as you say, you count that Western Conference uh, trophy, which is certainly not a major trophy, right? Um, which I think you could count five, if not six of all the other ones, major trophies. So uh, it is it is an interesting uh, dilemma or debate between is it a success to reach a final or is it a failure to lose one? And I think, uh, I think it's both. I think it's a disappointment for LAFC to lose those finals. I think it's a disappointing season, but I think it's also a successful season in that they uh, did a lot. They competed through 53 games, an MLS record, through grueling uh, injuries and travel. They traveled, what, 60,000 plus miles, 66,000 miles or something like that over the course of the year. It, it really is uh, incredible with the addition of Leagues Cup. You had six different competitions or five different competitions, excuse me, 
Um, it, it really is an incredible uh, success for what they've been able to push through. But that doesn't mean they reach the ultimate success of a trophy. And that's where the disappointment comes in. And that's where my question to Steve Sharundalo comes in of, well, yes, you frame it as a, a success for the season. And I understand that. But what is the reason for falling in those three finals? And his response, is, as you said, was there is no common thread, right? There, there are different games. There, Every game has a different story. And the story in the MLS Cup was simply that the first half was not a very good first half from LAFC. And it's easy to say that. It's easy to say they're different. But I think uh, it's not necessarily the case. Because if you are losing consistently in finals, and if you're not showing up consistently in finals, I think maybe the, the Campionis Cup, they showed up in a little bit more, competed a little bit more. They were still outplayed. But at least it was a much closer game than either of uh, the Champions League or MLS Cup. Uh, it, it The question has to be asked, why is the team not showing up? If there's a lack of energy in that first half, why is there a lack of energy? If you can't uh, score a goal, you know, in a final, if Denny Boonga is the only guy all year who could score you a goal in a final, why is there nothing else going on? Um, so, yes, you can say that they're, they're separate games. My opinion is there's got to be some kind of uh, thread through there. And, uh, yeah, I'll disagree with Steve Sherundle on that. That's fine. But, yeah, everybody's got to make up their own opinion. For me, it is... Uh, definitely something to look at when you lose three finals in a single season yeah i think look to to your point like the expectation was for them to win a trophy uh right and i think they they didn't get they didn't get to do that with all the talent and all the 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 amazing success and all of like i mentioned all of denny bongo's goals and the perform in the year that denny bongo had right so them not winning a trophy is obviously disappointing the success to me what i see in lfc is players like um Boanga, players like Eric Duenas, players like Nathan Ordaz, players that you didn't see, and those players that are coming in the, the academy, uh, getting Maxine Crepo back, right? Um, those I, I see the success, the fans traveling, right? That that's a success, success. But they also reaching these finals is a success. But I feel like. No one's gonna remember this how it, how impressive this season was and how difficult it was for LAFC to reach and play in all these competitions because you only get remembered by the trophies you win. Mm -hmm. You know that's what that's where the difficult thing comes in, right? Right? Is it, are they a bad team or this? Right? Like that? That's a whole different thing. But like no one's gonna remember this how great this team was because they weren't able to win a trophy. There's may there may there may maybe other people may may disagree on, on me with that, but I, no one's gonna really remember this team because they they didn't win a maybe the players will and all that right, but no one's gonna remember how great this team was because they weren't able to go over get over the hill and win a trophy this season. Yes, they they were they finished second and all that, but you also lose out on on uh, Campeones Cup next year, right? You can't you you don't have the opportunity to play in those competitions next year. You know, you don't have you you're gonna play in Leagues Cup and all that, but like Campeones Cup is the biggest uh tournament next year. Champions and Cup. The, yeah. uh, Champions Cup, excuse me, Champions Cup. And those those are the ones that Champions Cup is the one everybody wants to play. And uh, and, and it's unfortunate that you don't get you don't get to play in those. Um they've had little, they've had success, but I think the, the biggest disappointment is not being able to lift the cup. Because some teams only have one opportunity, and LAFC had three different opportunities to lift one. And uh, like I said this earlier, I just I just felt that they were battle tested at least for the MLS Cup uh, to potentially win that. And obviously, look, everybody's going to have their own opinion. We need to talk about we 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 need to talk about, it. and I felt like obviously share what we see it because it's also been impressive what LAFC's been able to do in these first six years, right? Because especially in this era of L this era of MLS. In this era of how they've been doing it, uh, this is only only Steve Schroeder's second year with the club, and they've played on all these different competitions. And, and look, and I know it wasn't easy for Schroeder, and I know there's there's been questions and doubts about Schroeder. Um, and I, look, I know people, you know, a lot of fans maybe not in him, maybe not as supportive because they he wasn't able to win uh, a trophy this year. But I also look at the fact that like I see how LAFC operates and how they are. And how they run as a club, him and John, him and John Thornton are, are saying the same thing even after the game, right? Two different people. We we had they had the very similar tone, and I mentioned this to you. And they have the same vision, and those guys are are 
those guys are, are neck and neck with how they see the game and how they see LAFC play. So I don't, I don't, I don't see Shirondo leaving anytime soon. No, should he? Um, no, should he, he? Outside of missing on the in the in the, in the trophies this year, he's, he's done a he's done a solid job. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's that's where the disappointment is is not being able to lift at least one major trophy this year. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, losing those trophies can be a slight on Trundolo, but it doesn't negate the success that he's had, right? And I think that is the the point that they're trying to uh, lay onto the entire season. And I think uh, John Thorrington, as you say, put it perfectly, right? And he said that the 27 other teams in MLS all wanted to be in this final. So to say that it's a, a failure to lose it is just inaccurate, and it's disrespectful to the other 27 teams. And I, I completely agree with that perspective. And that's why I would, again, not categorize it as a failure, but a successful season that is also very disappointing, right? Hmm. And uh, that that is kind of where I draw the line. Uh, it, it is disappointing to lose those finals, but it is it is a success for the ability to reach those finals, right? The first team to reach two CONCACAF Champions League finals in five years, first MLS team to do it at all. So it is, it's really uh, difficult to do the things that LAFC have done to succeed in these type of ways. And you remember... When LFC was in that CONCACAF Champions League final, when they booked their trip there, they were top of the Western Conference, right? They were still doing it in MLS, which had never been seen before. It was unprecedented. And people were talking about, is this the best MLS team ever, right? Had they won that Champions League final, they would have been considered the best MLS team ever. And so it's a disappointment to not reach that threshold, to not get through the light that you know is right there it's it's the trophy that you can get it's the records it's the plaudits that you can grab they're all right there and so it's disappointing that lafc didn't get there but it doesn't mean that it's a failure to not be the best team ever right it, it just means that um you didn't quite reach what you wanted but it's still successful because you're doing better than 27 out of the other you know 29 teams yeah no, well, yeah. Look, that's it's, it's tough. Obviously, it's a tough, uh, obviously, t- question. But I think it was a very important conversation we had to have. Like the next one, obviously, let's let's finish off with this. Carlos Vela's future. Carlos Vela's future with the club, obviously, is very unknown. We saw the photo. Um, we got to talk to him. Well, we got to hear him out. Uh, we didn't get to ask him a question, but we got to hear him out. Obviously, there uh, when he was when he was leaving the stadium, uh, leaving the locker room. Excuse me. I. I know Carlos Villa is going to want DP type of money. Um, and he should feel that way. There's no other way. I, to me, it's very tough for him to retire or go play in Mexico. Or I don't even see Europe. Um, I just feel like his family's been here. Well, his family's been here for six plus years or whatever. Um, you know, he has kids now. I feel like you feel comfortable. I just don't see any other team outside of LAFC. If he's willing to take less money, I don't know how much less he's willing to take. Um, that's the biggest thing because that's, I mean, that's the obvious right there. If he's willing to take less money, then he stays. Uh, but I don't know if he's going to take less money than the DP type money. Um, and I don't think he should take anything less than a DP type money. Um, also, on the other hand, if you're LAFC, his production and his goals has come down, um, right, since that 2019 season. And uh, you could potentially get someone else younger and maybe not have the, the, the impact as a leader, but you can probably get some of, the t- some of that production very similar in a player that's a lot younger. Because Vela is 34 years old, right? Uh, he's not getting any younger. Um, he wasn't able to score in any of the finals, uh, you know, and and when the team needed Vela to score a goal, it wasn't Vela this year. It was Buanga, right? And he was more, he was more of a facilitator this season that that's expected. And he took on that role. So it's a very difficult thing for Vela. I don't know how he does not return to LAFC. I don't know how he and LAFC don't find a way for him to come back at least for one more year. The question is the money. That's the biggest question. Does he take less money? Is he willing to take less money? If he's willing to take less money, then he comes back to LAFC. Can you, if you're LAFC and John Thornton, can you convince him to take less money? You know, can you convince him to do that? Because 
I don't think this is the way Carlos Vela wanted to go out. If he, if they won the trophy, if they win MLS Cup, forget CCL, forget Campeones Cup, him and Jojo Chiellini could have walked away in the sunset and winning back-to-back champ. Back-to-back champions, you know, MLS. You're talking about Carlos Vela potentially being, if not one of the best, the best MLS player uh, and what he's done, especially in this era, right? At least he's in the conversation. But obviously not winning that second one. He's up there, top three, top five, whatever. Uh, but I think if he would have won it, he would have walked away, he would have walked away in the sunset, you know, being there. He, he brought two big, big major trophies to LAFC. Uh, probably all these competitions and all these different things. You know, you talk about when the statue's getting built, which I think will still happen. But uh, but yeah, I think that that we'll see what happens. But I just don't see we've seen the end of Carlos Vela. That's my hunch. Just seeing him walk away with that much pain and having that conversation him and that like it, it just it's not I don't think it's supposed to end like this for Carlos Vela hmm. with LAFC. Yeah, I think that. You know, we all would have liked the storyline of, of Vela walking away into the sunset uh, with back-to-back championships. But I think it it's a difficult situation because, as you say, it's going to come down to money. I think it probably comes down to that DP spot. Vela um, would, would want it, and it's going to be up to him whether he would be willing to take a, a TAM contract. That is up to him. But when it comes to the club's perspective, I think it's very clear at this point that he's not worth a DP contract. He, he simply isn't. Uh, he hasn't scored, if I'm correct, in the past 16 games for LAFC. I mean, think about that, really. He scored two playoff goals in six years for the club. He has done some incredible, incredible things, but he's not anymore worth a designated player spot. And so you cannot give that to him. And that, to me, is the, is the tough decisions that a club and a general manager have to make. It's it's Everybody wants Carlos Vela back from a sentimental perspective, but from a playing on the pitch perspective that is how decisions are made and that is is the decision that john thorrington and the front office is going to have to make that no carlos vela isn't a dp uh player anymore even if he's the most sentimental player in lafc history even if he is lafc that doesn't mean that you can just pay him money that he doesn't deserve and that's that's unfortunate uh i think because vela told me you know a month or two ago that he is going to play another year so He's not retiring. If that is with another team, then that's going to hurt LAFC, especially should it be an MLS, uh, which I think is probably less likely. But yeah, it's going to feel weird, I think, to see Vela on another team should he move. But I think that's probably the best move for LAFC at this point, because I don't think Vela will accept anything less than a DP contract because he can go to Mexico and get paid more. Right. He can he can do that. And so I think it will be up to him and his family and his wife. What is the best decision for them for their life going forward? Because it probably is just one more year for Carlos Vela. Uh, and where should that be? Is is it worth just staying in L.A. and taking a pay cut? Or is it worth, well, maybe I need to go to Mexico. Maybe I need to go to somewhere else and get paid the money that I can. Because um, the LFC just can't pay him and shouldn't pay him as much as other teams might be able to. Yeah, he's worth more for someone else outside of LAFC. He will get the bag. He will get a bigger bag outside of outside of LFC. But that that's what it comes down to. Like, do you want to do you want do you want? I know this is a crazy thing. Hercules was talking about Hercules Gomez was talking about him potentially going to LA Galaxy, which is out oh. there. Well, look, if there was anybody else saying this, but look, it's Herc. Um, because I don't he's know a Galaxy. How about, it's Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Galaxy player, but and obviously Will Kuntz knows uh, uh, Carlos Vela, so he's making right. that connection. But I just feel like, as a legacy standpoint, like he would put, no he would ruin Carlos Vela would ruin his legacy with what he's done, and I just don't see that. I, I personally don't don't see Carlos Vela. Uh, really I don't think wanting. either fan base would want that Galaxy or LAFC. I don't think anybody would be. It, a would, fan. it would be. It would be the craziest. It would. It'd be. It would be craziest. Um, would, would like if, if, if Galaxy were to offer uh, a, a bag, then is then I guess there's a, some con- consideration. But I think it, if he's not worth a D, I think like somewhere like Nashville or like you know something like a, like an off team can offer him a way bigger bag. But I just don't respect is crazy. I, oh, my bad. Well, you know what I mean. I, I, I know. I know. I was, like a, I'm, I'm naming a random team and not in LA or not one of the big markets. <laughs> 
can I, can offer him you know a, a bag then it makes diff then it makes okay he went there but i just it's it's very tough for me to see him you know unless it's it, it, it's an insane option but like yeah, yeah. I, I, he, he can definitely get a bigger bag outside of lafc unless yeah. he wants to stay yeah i don't i don't give any legitimacy to that uh herc playing game sorry herc but i don't think it's uh legitimate <laughs> in any way <laughs> Yeah, look, you say maybe he's just during the part spot, uh, the pop. But I, oh, I just yeah. saw interactions that interactions are always good, man. I, I saw that on Twitter, and I was like, "Damn, Herc, what are you trying to do?" But look, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. What this is one thing one thing I want to say. Um, when Carlos Villa Carlos Villa first joined LAFC, I was like, "No way, he's coming to LA. No way, he's coming to MLS." Mm. Uh, because at that time, he was one of the most talented players playing on the Mexican national team. Obviously, you know, a, a big supporter of the Mexican national team, and I was just like. I wanted him to, to stay in Europe for a couple more years. Then he came, and then I got to see him in person, and I got to see his just raw talent. I remember one of the first practices that I got to see uh, Carlos Vela just, like, dribble the ball and how the ball just, like, stuck. Like, it was essentially, like, glued to his left foot, and what he would just do and just just seeing his talent up close was, like, one of, one of the most, like uh, – one of the most unique memories that I had from LAFC, just when I first saw Carlos Vela actually play and practice, and just you know that 2019 season. Um, look, if this is, uh, which I don't feel, if this is his last year, our last season with LAFC, it was, it was, it was in a, in a, also an incredible but humbling experience to be able to call, to be able to watch, talk with Carlos Vela, um, you know, get to see him, also just also also see him like. His interactions with the media grew. They stopped and they grew again. You know, I feel like this season is probably one of the most most times. This year and last year were the most most times he's talked to the media. He's been very open to talking to the media. Previous years, he wasn't as much. And I think it's, it's been awesome. If this is his final season, it's been an awesome experience to cover Carlos Vela. Absolutely. And uh, I breaking news while we are on this podcast. Oh. Uh, LAC has finally announced their roster decisions. I said earlier in the podcast that I'm surprised they haven't been released. They were released about a half an hour ago. Uh, I will read okay, them out go, to you. Let's read, them, read out. them out to you now. Uh, contract options that have been exercised on defender Jesus Murillo, midfielder Ilya Sanchez, and Eric Duenas, as well as goalkeeper Abraham Romero. The club declined contract options Excuse me, on Christian Torres, Danny Chrysostomo, Julian Gaines, Tony Leone, Mohamed Traore, Daniel Maldonado, Diego Rosales, and John McCarthy, as well as Eldon Yakupovich. Uh, Yakupovich, Maldonado, and Chrysostomo are all eligible for the MLS re-entry draft process. McCarthy will be a free agent. The club says they are in talks with McCarthy, Maldonado, Gaines, Leone, and Rosales, as well as free agents Carlos Vela, Diego Palacios, Kellen Acosta, and Maxime Kripo to potentially return to the club if contracts can be made there, uh, which means that there are currently 18 players on the 2024 roster for LAFC under contract. Uh, those, as I said, yeah, all that makes sense. Murillo, we expected. Ilya Sanchez, as I said earlier, uh, had that uh had that option in his contract or triggered option uh, due to minutes and games played. Eric Duenas, you would expect Abraham Romero, another young one. Uh, so Daniel Maldonado, probably the standout in terms of the declined options, uh, as well as John McCarthy. So a couple of players who played parts in the MLS season, particularly John McCarthy, but maybe backup level players uh, in, in this squad now were declined options. Uh, so maybe they'll look for a cheaper contract for those players or just let them move on. But finally, those roster decisions are out. So there they are for all of you. Breaking news right on this podcast. Oh, well, there we go. At least we at least we got it in. I would I would have been upset if we would have ended the pod. <laughs> I got you. Not talk to, yeah, I not, got you. <clears throat> not talked to I just saw the email and I just saw yeah, LAFC obviously post about it on social media. Um, but yeah, well, I mean there you have it, guys. Obviously, they're, they're in talks with Carlos Vela. Obviously, you want to bring back. Um, yeah, so it doesn't look like that it will be its final season. Um, anything you'd like to add before before we let you go, brother? I think that uh, – no, just thank you for everybody who's tuned into our coverage over this season. I think that uh, 
you know, we try and bring the best coverage that we can to you, but it only matters if people tune in and people support us. So anybody who's listening to this right now made it all the way to the end of the podcast. You are the people that we do this for, and, and we really appreciate you for continuing to support our work. Yeah, no, and on top of that, too, I got to meet a lot of like supporters as like they listen to the show. They're like, hey, I listen to you on my way. One guy was telling me he works in construction. He's like on my way from my my from my home to the job site and all this. And it's just like, obviously, we, we, we got to see the number of downloads, but we never get to get to put a face to a download and everything. So anytime we've gone to a game or obviously this final and, and interact with people, anybody that's came up to us and talked to us, it's, it's very humbling. It's really cool because obviously we, we just don't know. We we put in the week in, week out to, to, to obviously do the show and hear you guys come up and letting us know that you guys uh, listen to shows is very humbling. It's very rewarding as well because we we don't know. And that's what I mentioned to Justin over over the MLS Cup final that it was like, man, it's cool to, you know, obviously see people that listen to the show because we don't know who listens to the show uh, unless you guys comment or, 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 you know, or DM us or whatever. But, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a cool experience. Um, shout out to you, Justin. Obviously, look, brother, it was, it's, it's been a long season, but you've been putting in the work since last season here, really taking it serious, obviously being on the pod. And, uh, you know, your coverage has been amazing. Having you on the pod, you've been so knowledgeable just with everything that's been going on. It made it easier for me, bro, to just do the pod, you know, because I don't got to do everything. I can kind of like low-key kind of depend on you on certain things that 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 I don't, you know, obviously I'm not going to know everything, but it's been it's been very cool to, to have you on the pod this, these last couple of seasons. Appreciate that, Gio. Yeah, it's been a been a great time. I think that this collaboration between our our companies, Upper Ninety and LA Soccer Hub, is is only going up and and forward. So yeah, as Gio says, uh, when you guys come up to us and, and say hi, it really uh, is is fantastic to meet all the people that listen to us and and that love our coverage because we again do it for you. So yeah, if you, if you ever see us at a game, please come say hi. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Uh, with that said, um, <clears throat> that wraps up the 2023 season. Uh, guys, this will be our last pod of the year unless something crazy happens. Uh, but I need a break. <laughs> I think Justin needs a break. So uh, for, mo- for right now, uh, this will be the last pod of the season. Um, look, the MLS season is just around the corner. There's so many things that's going to happen, you know, with, um, you know, preseason and all that. Uh, but we won't be uh, – we won't be off for too long. And if anything, just, just follow us on either uh, follow Justin on upper 90 or check out LA soccer hub. Uh, definitely be posting there. Uh, but this is the final, final part of the year. Uh, appreciate you guys listening for Justin. This is deal. Bye everybody. <laughs>